Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Today, we have a wonderful guest for you. She is a leadership coach and expert, and her name is Mary T. O'Sullivan. Mary O'Sullivan is on a mission to improve leadership and business today. Her new book, The Leader You Don't Want to Be, Transform Your Leadership Style from Command and Control to Transformative transformative visionary drives this message home and she has she's been a coach for a long time she's a highly experienced executive and professional coach specializing in supporting managers executives and leadership professionals and each of her many roles over the past 40 years including those at general electric Lockheed Martin and Raytheon, she acted as a change agent, moving teams and individuals from status quo to new ways of thinking by offering solutions that focused on changing behaviors, fostering growth, and improving the bottom line. All right. Welcome, Mary. Thank you, Patricia. That was a great introduction. Thank you so much. Yeah, great to have you on. All right. So let's see. I've got so many questions about your new book. Um, well, how did you come up with the title? Why well, it's time to read it. Yeah, right. Yes, it, it came about because um, I was. We were struggling. My editors and I were struggling with a title, and um, I continued to write while we were trying to figure out the title. And what I was writing about really were a lot of different stories about um, very different leaders that I had worked with over the years. And some experiences that people that I had known have had with leaders. And most of what I was writing about was corrective action that these leaders needed to take. Hmm. So after writing um, so many pages, I mean, the book's 300 and some, 258 pages, something like that. And after writing so much about that, it just dawned on me that what I was writing about was really the leader that you don't want to be. So by reading the book, you would find out some of the typical traps that people that somehow get leadership um, positions, uh, the traps that they fall into, which is so easy when you're in a position of power because you can become kind of insulated uh, when you're sitting in the corner office or when you've got a, um, a leadership role and you're in charge of a lot of people. Uh, you can kind of get out of the loop. So that's how we came up with the title. Uh, it, I was so struck by things you don't want to do as a leader. And I think when uh, people write leadership books, there's so many different titles about transformational leadership and visionary leadership and um, good to great and lots of different titles like that, um, that after a while it becomes kind of a, a blur and, and people don't pay attention. So what I was yeah. trying to do here is to focus on what not to do as, as a leader. So Mary, what would you say stands out in your mind is the major 
you know, the major problems that you say that you have, what are, what are the major, what are the typical problems? Well, I mean, what, what would be like one of the biggest one? Okay, so, uh, so this is across the board. The problem is across the board. It's, it's that people forget, people in leadership roles completely forget that they're dealing with other people. So what I'm trying to focus on here is just act like a human being. Just exhibit some courtesy, exhibit some manners. You can get your point across without yelling, screaming, swearing, backstabbing. You know, it's kind of the golden rule, do unto others. And it it just baffles me how sometimes when people get into these leadership roles that they forget the golden rule. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was focusing on, like how to modify your behavior as a leader to show that you're a human being. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are ways to let people go that are um, that are kind. I mean, sometimes you have to let people go. You're you're facing a downturn in business, um, but you don't have to use harsh language with people, which I've seen that happen a number of times. Um, and so, mm-hmm. I think that the biggest takeaway, Patricia, overall, is that. When you're a leader, you have to remember that you're human, and so is everybody else. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that you would say that. I thought you'd say something like, you know, they're not performing or they're not motivated, but it's their behavior. So they're, is it too aggressive? Is that mostly what it is? Or is it not yeah, aggressive it, enough? It, yeah, it's all of, all, the, all of the above. So. What happens in leadership roles is that um, people can can be very um, uh, focused on their own development, and all the leadership literature out there says that the job of a leader is to develop his team. So people in leadership roles are thinking about their next move, not how they're going to develop the people that come behind them. So you have kind of a thoughtlessness there where somebody's Mm -hmm. always focused on themselves. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure you can, we all can think in these times of examples where leaders are focused on themselves and they're not thinking or considering Mm -hmm. other people. So that's very, very typical in particularly the world of big business. They really Mm -hmm. just want to promote their own agenda, and they're not interested in embracing or in bringing people along. But they don't understand that it, they don't understand that when they do that, it makes such a huge difference. It's not a big shift to just change that behavior, is it, or is it? It's not a big shift. It's a mindset shift. Right. So it's a, a mindset right. difference of thinking about only your interests and thinking about how you can help other people. Now, I'm not saying it's all Pollyanna, but the point is it's been proven that when leaders develop the people that they're bringing along, their direct reports, when they send them to conferences, when they 
develop them in other ways, give them rotational assignments that will help them grow, that that's actually good for the business overall and it's good for the reputation of the leader. But because of the leadership structure we have now in today's, most of today's businesses, um, it's command and control. So it's top down. It's not kind of looking at the groundswell of talent that you have and leveraging that. Hmm. Um, it's more Can't... about, you know, using people to get ahead, being using people as a stepping stone rather than helping them get further in their right. careers. Can, so, yeah, Mary, they can, can be very us, aggressive can, that way. Can you give us an example, just share an example of, of someone that you worked with, that this was an issue and you coached them and they changed and what the result was. Can you tell us the story? Well, yeah, I had um, a senior leader from a major company who um, really felt that being a leader meant, um, you know, climbing over people to get to where he wanted to be. And as you said, he was aggressive. He was nasty. I'll say it. There's no other way to say it. He was nasty. Um, He wouldn't even greet people in the morning. He would just walk in and Mm. not even say good morning. And that was one of the things that came back on his 360 that... uh, he didn't even ex- exhibit common courtesy. He didn't say thank you to people that worked overtime or did extra uh, extra jobs for him or for others in the company. And he was so narrowly focused on himself. And he was talented. He was very, very talented. He had uh, designed very special things for the company and had come up with patents. And that's one thing also is you'll find a lot of Brilliant people don't have any kind of people skills. Mm-hmm. So that was what we had to work on was his soft skills. So he learned only because he got a terrible review that came through HR. He learned that he couldn't, he could not step all over people to make himself look good because that's what he thought he was doing. He mm-hmm. thought he was going to get to the VP level by showing aggression and, you know, really not not helping his direct reports at all, just mm-hmm. continuously bossing them around and being rude. So it took a long time, but one, one session I had with him in particular, um, we talked about a situation where um, he felt like people weren't listening to him. So I asked him to walk me through it, and I... He had no idea how he was coming across, so I just point blank asked him, well, how would you like it if you were the recipient of that kind of treatment? What would Mm -hmm. it be like for you if your boss walked into the meeting, hovered over you, and started yelling because he didn't think you did something properly? What would that be like for you? Mm -hmm. And Patricia, I've got to tell you, the shock on his face was, just mind-blowing. So he had no and idea that he was doing this? No idea. And this this is very, very typical. We can talk about bullying a little bit, too, because he was a bully. But he, the, the, what happens with people like this is they, they're missing two things. One is perspective. He didn't understand, nor did he care how anybody else felt. And the other is empathy. He had, he mm. had no idea what 
that looked like on the other side. He could not mm. emp- empathize with those people. He was only interested in himself. Now, what happened? What happened? Okay, so now let's fast forward. So you talked to him, and he was shocked because he didn't even know he was doing it. Then what yes. happened? How did he change? So we, explain that. We talked about it. We spent a lot of time talking about things that he could do differently. So I had to explain to him and actually teach him some of the things that I had learned working for really good companies with really good leaders. And I gave him examples. I said, you know, if somebody does a great job and you want to thank them, why don't you write them a little handwritten note? I got some of those notes from some of my leaders. Mary did a great job on working on whatever project, and I just want to personally thank you for that. Mm-hmm. You know, it really lifts your spirits up. So he started writing thank you notes. He started giving out gift cards for other really? rewards for, for jobs. Yep. He was giving out gift cards. Um, we talked it over, and uh, we we talked about what things that people would like, and he said the most common things people like is Dunkin' Donuts coffee. So he bought, you know, 5 and $10 gift cards for Dunkin' Donuts coffee for people and other gift cards, too. And he began to actually start to say hello and good morning. And the biggest thing that he did differently, Patricia, is he stopped looking at his phone 24-7. Where he worked, there were three shifts. So um, he was responsible for the work on on every shift, but of course he couldn't be there for three shifts. So he was constantly looking at his phone and getting really hyped up about things that happened when he wasn't there. And by the time he got into work, he was just basically on the ceiling. He was so mad at everybody. So I told him, stop looking at your phone. Turn the phone off at 7 o'clock. And I made him keep a journal so that he would remember to shut off the phone. And I said, you got to leave it off seven to seven. And that worked. The other thing, and that worked because he wasn't so stressed when he got into the job. The other thing that we did was um, I told him that because of his stress level and how he allowed himself to get so upset about things that he could do nothing about, um, that he needed to, to de-stress. And so we figured out that if he went for a morning jog or walk, um, that that would help his stress level. So he would get up extra early, and at 5 o'clock or 5.30, he would go out for a jog. And then he got himself an accountability partner. So he would check in, and he did this on his own. He would check in with a friend of his once a week on how they were dealing with their stress, which was incredible. That was so helpful for him. Um, so between the exercise and shutting off the phone and um, the accountability partner, his stress level really went down tremendously. And he was actually smiling when he was going into work. So yeah, that was amazing. very exciting. That was very yeah. exciting. It was really good to see. Yeah, that is great. So, yeah. Well, and, it and, showed, and that's it great. That's a great example. All right, let's. Let's take a break, and when we come back, let's talk about more, you know, the things that you're saying 
in terms of what leaders should not do. It's a really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, it's an interesting title of a book, the uh, the new book, the leader you don't want to be. Transform your leadership style from command and control to transformative visionary, which is exactly the story you just told us. So we're going to mm-hmm. come back with Mary O'Sullivan uh, right after the break, who's a highly experienced executive and professional coach, supporting managers, executives, and leadership professionals. I'm Patricia Raskin right here on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Get ready to go inside the lives of some of the top recording artists the music industry has known. Join host Troy Bronstein every week as he becomes a prince among queens. Troy discusses the careers and past, present, and future projects from these artists. And if there's time on each show, you just might hear some performance gems as well. Listen for Prince Among Queens every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com are listening to the patricia raskin show if you wish to call into our program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that number again is 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com now back to the patricia raskin show hi everyone i'm patricia raskin and we are back We are back with the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. And today my guest is Mary O'Sullivan. She is a leadership coach and an expert. And her brand new book is The Leader You Don't Want to Be. Transform your leadership style from command and control to transformative visionary. And that's really what, what she's talking about in all of her work is really helping people see their own style and making some changes. Mary O'Sullivan is a highly experienced executive and professional coach specializing in supporting managers, executives, and leadership professionals. 
And over the past four decades, she's worked with General Electric, Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, and she's been a change agent. And she's really helped teams and individuals think about the way they can change their behavior and foster growth and improve the bottom line. So welcome back, Mary. Thank you. All right. So here's my question. Based on this story that you told about this person with the personality that was aggressive and then did change, and then from what you said, the results were coming in, right? When that person changed, the team was changing too. Yes? Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. But here's my question. Don't a lot of these leaders take the courses? I mean, a lot of um, employee assistance programs, a lot of courses for credit require courses on leadership style and understanding how to create win-win and being assertive but not aggressive. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, I mean, that's what I'm seeing. But obviously, this person didn't take the course, or maybe they did. What do you think? So what I've noticed is that... Even with training, unless the behavior is specifically pointed out that the training hours they spend are in one ear and out the other, they do not absorb it or they think it does not apply to them. So unless there's some accountability attached to the behavior, there's, um, there's, there's no consequence and therefore no change. So my theory is that when people are judged by their quarterly um, earnings or their quarterly sales, which is the way Wall Street accounts people, accounts for people, that you're still going to get that Wall Street behavior, that over-aggressive, that uncaring, that me, me, me kind of behavior, the very self-centered behavior, because These people are being rewarded for their sales. They're not being rewarded for their behavior. So it's rare to find a company that's going to tie bonuses to behavior. So people think about excellence or performance in terms of dollars. So it's not how well you did the job, but how many sales you brought into the company, Hmm. and that creates a lot of bad behavior. But it doesn't have to, though, Mary, correct? It it also can create even better behavior. Well, not when the people are rewarded based on how much money they're making for the company. If Hmm. that's the major value that the company has set forth, for its leadership team, then that's how people are going to act. So there's a very good example of that Um, in uh, GE many years ago, Jack Welch insisted that um, his vice presidents assign their best people, best people to uh, receive Six Sigma black belt training. And what these VPs did was they kind of blew off Jack Welch and they picked somebody else for the black belt training. Mm. Lo and behold, along comes bonus time and, and all the VPs are crying that they don't have enough money for bonus and they want more. And Welch says, why? I told you to put your best people in the black belt training, but they didn't do that. 
they put somebody else in the black belt training, and that was the guy that got the bonus, not the best person. So that was one example of tying values to both to money. And why do people go to work every day? They go to work to earn money. And if your performance is tied to how much money you make alone, then behavior becomes secondary. So what's the, what's the remedy here? I mean, because it sounds like really in everything you're talking about, it's, it's an attitude shift completely. That's what this mm-hmm. is. Yes, yes. So a remedy, that's a good question. And um, I was just talking to someone else earlier about this today, and that was that um, until something really catastrophic happens, like a leader is threatened with his job or not getting his bonus because his behavior is so bad or HR has received so many complaints or the ethics department has received complaints, unless the person is directly faced with that, usually nothing happens. So the unfortunate part of all this is that um, they don't seek out help in the form of coaching until it's, it's so desperate that they really have no choice. Either they decide that themselves or somebody decides it for them. And that's the big conundrum. It's why does this happen? And in my opinion, it happens because of the latitude that people are given in bringing in sales. It's all about sales. So you'll see things like people will have to um, lose some vacation time or um, work all night long to bring in sales prior to the end of the quarter. Why? Because when the bonus comes out, they want to have that bonus in that quarter. And Patricia, it's incredible what the bonuses are in these big companies. I don't think people have awareness of what I'm just going to tell you an average executive, and this is not a VP level, average executive in these companies where I worked, their bonus Forty thousand dollars a year and more. Mm-hmm. Forty thousand was average. So let's say your spouse already has that forty thousand dollars accounted for: new kitchen, vacation, new car, mm-hmm. college tuition, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that executive is going to back off his sales goals? Not going to happen. So it's very tied up, very, very tied up. It's very intricate. And you find that people that have um, values themselves that come to the table with good behavior, they're the ones everybody wants to work for. But if they have bad behavior and, and there's no consequence for it, there's therefore no desire, no motivation to ever change that. And so it just continues. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, and and I guess the question for you then is the takeaway in the book 
You know, what is it that Mm -hmm. you want people, because I hear what you're saying, and there's a great incentive for them not to change their behavior, but what is the incentive for them to change their behavior? Because when they do, it does improve the bottom line in the long run. It does improve the bottom of the bottom line, and that's that's been documented over and over again. That if your people are happy, if they feel that they that you care about them, if they feel that you're um, guiding them along in their career and they feel supported, they will work extra hard for you. I've I've heard people say, "I would follow that that leader into the jaws of hell." because they felt so, you know, committed to that particular person because that person was helpful and was just basically just nice. Like, ask, how are your kids? How are your kids doing in school? You know, little things like that. Um, They were not impersonal. They were personal. They had um, an expression of caring about their employees. And, you know, I mean, we all know ourselves that when you feel cared about, you will do more. You will perform more. There's no question. And that's documented. So you are seeing changes. You definitely are, it sounds like. Right. When people learn how to behave and they just learn common courtesy and learn to not react to everything that happens around them, they are more successful, and so is everybody else. So my question is, with that, with that person that you told the story in the first segment, who, you mm-hmm. know, started changing behavior, writing notes, buying people coffee, um, what, what has been the long-term effect of that? Has, have things really changed? Well, you know, that's a very good question, because in order to measure change with him, which is what HR wants to know, like, how are you going to know if you're successful with him? Is What I do is when we start out our coaching journey, we will do a 360 review, which is um, peers, direct reports, and managers. So that are, you know, his, his, who he reports to, his boss. So it's a 360 look at the person. The first set of reviews were terrible. They were so embarrassing, I didn't even show them to him. The second set of reviews were much, much better. However, one comment that I received said, you know, he's a lot better, but we'll see if it's going to last or not. So that's up to him. I mean, he, he knows what he faced when he wasn't behaving well. And if he reverts to his previous behavior, he's going to face those problems again. Now, I have to tell you that he does stay in touch with me. And, you know, I have an open-door policy with my long-term clients that they can call me and engage me anytime they want. And he has called me a few times, and I've shared some things with him, some tools to help him kind of stay steady and not kind of collapse back into this bad behavior because there's no reason for it. One of the, one of his ahas was that when he first got hired, the company was in disarray and he was told he had to be hard on people and he had Mm. to rule with an iron fist. Oh, well that's different then. 
the company changed, but he didn't. I see. I see. And that happens a lot. That happens a lot, especially when people uh, came into a business in the 70s and 80s when um, times were difficult, when we had recessions, when we had bad economic times. Um, You know, somehow that became the mantra, like you have to be tough on people to get them to perform. And A, I think that's a flawed concept to begin with. But B, there's a time to give that behavior up. You don't have to keep it up. Because now, with the young generation coming into the workforce, they do not tolerate that. And to be honest with you, the biggest right. complainers he had were from the millennials. Ah. Uh, well, oh, so that had to. So, but I think that's good. I think that's good that, that we're really now, in a way, demanding a change. Don't you? Mm hmm. Absolutely. It had to happen. That's why I, I, my subtitle is Transform Your Leadership Style from Command and Control because nobody pays attention to command and control anymore. People don't want to do something just because they're told. They want to have some buy-in into the task they are performing. So they want to have buy-in into the business itself. They want to have skin in the game, and I don't mean just investments, but they want to be able to see results that matter, that they can care about. So if you're just bossing people around because you have the idea of what has to get done, and these people are just acting as cogs in a wheel or slots, I like to say uh, my favorite expression is, you know, we've got a slot mentality here, because you just, you know, think of people as objects. But when people have buy-in in today's workforce, people will not tolerate being treated in a negative way. They want, yeah. they want a transformative leader, not a transactional leader. Right. They want people that, are, that have a vision that they share. So if the vision is to eliminate um, all carbon, excess carbon in the, in the atmosphere... They want a piece of that. They want to work towards the common good. So that's the difference that we're seeing in the workforce. So the workforce really drives leadership behavior, to be honest with you. And it's the people that have never learned to back off that command and control that are having the most problems. And I have to say that most is that leaders, mostly the older, is that the older worker or not necessarily? I was just going to say, usually they're uh, 45 and up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, most of the younger folks, the sort of early 40s into the uh, mid-30s, they, they don't, they don't want to work around the clock just for sales. They value their time more than they value money. And that's common knowledge among um, the newer generations. Yes. Whereas the so, so you know, it's, it's interesting when you say that because in 20 years will we be having this discussion? That's the question. Will it Good really tra- totally transform so that, you know, you won't have this behavior? Good question. I think that's totally dependent upon the company structure and the company culture. Yeah. 
And we would hope that the culture would advance with the workforce. In fact, it is being forced to advance. But there are still companies that have been set up in this top-down structure. Um, And when people get into the management or leadership roles in those companies, they are given a tremendous amount of power and authority. Yeah, and it's how right. they execute that power that power that makes a difference. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're talking more to Mary O'Sullivan. She's a highly experienced executive and professional coach, specializing in supporting managers, executives, and leadership professionals. And she's talking about her brand new book, "The Leader You Don't Want to Be: Transform Your Leadership Style from Command and Control to Transformative Visionary." Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. What are the labels that identify us? Who are we, and how do we figure out our place in the world? Do we own our narrative? If you were to create your biography today, what would it say about you? Listen for Dropping In with host Diane Dewey, the author of the award-winning memoir, Fixing the Fates. Diane and her guests will give their version of finding themselves. Find out about your authenticity by dropping in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in every week for Making Action Happen, hosted by Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. The program takes you inside Action 22, a Colorado-based community outreach organization established in 1999. The show focuses on public policies, both politically driven or not, which have ongoing and immediate impact on the Colorado community and the world. It doesn't matter where you are, you can make action happen. Listen Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and 1 p.m. Mountain Time on Voice America Variety. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Brave Hearts Radio with Brian Reingold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input, too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com are listening to the Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to the Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. You are listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. And my guest today is Mary T. O'Sullivan, who is a highly experienced executive and professional coach specializing in supporting managers, executives, and leadership professionals. And she has written a brand new book, Hot Off the Press, 
called The Leader You Don't Want to Be, Transform Your Visionary, uh, I'm sorry, Transform Your Leadership Style from Command and Control to Transformative Visionary. Welcome back, Mary. Thank you, Patricia. Okay, let's talk about the book. How did you put it together? How did you interview people? Let's share how that all, the process. That's a great story. To be honest with you, this book started as a series of papers that I wrote for my master's degree. And uh, the idea behind this master's that I took at Quinnipiac University was that all the management theory and leadership theory that we were learning, we had to apply to real-life situations. So if we got a uh, a topic like talk about Maslow's theory of um, the hierarchy of needs, then you had to talk about that in light of how Maslow's hierarchy of needs um, fit into your workplace and how it was satisfied or not satisfied. So I had a series of papers that I wrote over two years, and I got an A on every single one of them. So I thought to myself, well, this is going to be a really great book. Mm-hmm. And, there are, you know, the topics are all over the place, really, on every kind of management um, question or leadership um, idea that you could imagine. And the the rest of the book was taken from two other sources. One was um, my coaching certification, which I took at a university, and it was just run just like a graduate program where we wrote papers on topics, for instance, on assessments, and, um, and then I would have to write something about assessment. So I crafted all those ideas into stories about things that actually happened on the job or about people that I had coached. And one of the other sources was that I do write a weekly column for a local digital magazine, and um, I'm the business contributor, and so I write on different business topics. Um, for that paper. And some of them are current and some of them are things that, you know, that are topical for, for business, like women in leadership and, you know, how women are, um, how women don't get along with each other in business. Mm-hmm. And I also talk about some of the, um, some of the leadership that we've seen that's been a failure over the last couple of years, like the whole pandemic situation and talk about people's health and safety. And I like to relate that back to uh, things that actually have cropped up in literature. So it's a, I'm tying it up into a bunch of different things that I have experience with. Uh, so that's how I came to get the idea to write the book. And how did you well, find the people to interview? Well, that's interesting. Oh, the people to interview, well, they were very easy to get to. I would just ask somebody if they would be interested in helping me, and um, I got a lot of volunteers. I didn't have any trouble getting people to talk to me about their own experience or about something that I had witnessed. Um, I used a lot of material from my coaching clients, like the one we just talked about, and over the last six years, I've had dozens and dozens of coaching clients, so there are lots of stories to tell there. And so I always frame them in terms of a leadership 
style or a leadership value or some kind of leadership behavior that needed, either needed to be expanded or diminished. So some people did things they had to stop doing, and other people were doing things that they had to do more of. So that's how I got the material for the book. Mm. Putting it together was a whole other thing, because yeah. what we tried to do with the book was create a narrative that worked from beginning to end. So you can imagine taking three disparate sources for the material mm. for the book and then trying mm. to make a storyline out of it. That was the big challenge. So I hired a couple of editors. I met one of them through mm. another class that I had been taking and I found out she was a book coach. And to be honest with you, the reason I picked her was kind of a funny reason is because she's from Binghamton, New York, and huh. and I lived in Syracuse, New York for 22 years. So I wanted to to talk to somebody that kind of knew what my territory was in upstate New mm. York. So that was a lot of fun. And she was very, very, very good. But that was a tremendous amount of work because I had no idea how to create a through line or how to link these stories together so that they made sense and that somebody reading the book wouldn't have a jarring transition from one mm. story to the next. Right. So right. I have to say that that was the bulk of the work. Since the basic material was already created, the work involved was crafting it into a narrative that made sense. Right. So I have a and question, And that people Mary. could relate to. What was mm-hmm. the most surprising thing when, you know, sometimes you write something and then you look at it and you say, oh, I didn't realize. Did you learn something from putting this book together that you didn't realize before? Was there a greater awareness of something and what was it? Well, truly the awareness was that you have to understand your audience and when you're writing a book or any piece, it has to appeal to the audience that you want to reach. So if, you, if your topic isn't interesting, nobody's going to pick your book up, which is why I chose the title that I chose. Because as I said before, there are just so many leadership books out there, and the titles are all kind of the same. Um, you know, like The Heart of Change and lots of different titles like that. And I wanted my book to stand out. So I didn't want a title like 24 Carat Leadership or anything like that. I wanted something that, you know, I knew people would take a second look at. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So that was the big thing. It was really, and the other big, big thing, which I'm still going through right now, is, is selling the book and marketing it and making sure that it wasn't just something that, you know, I could give away at a workshop, but I actually wanted to sell it. So learning how to market the book was a, really a huge challenge. And then what categories to put it under, you know, like how to, how to choose where it was going to pop up. Well, I think, um, you know, just from interviewing you and listening and, and, you know, looking at the book, I think what makes this different is that you're really talking about really, you're really narrowing in on a behavior style. 
that a lot of people have that they need to change, not just for work, Mary, but also for home. You know, I mean, if you're running around, you know, telling your kids what to do all the time with not an explanation and being an authoritarian, that's not going to work so well in the long run. So I I think, you know, and I think, you know, even our whole roles of male and female are changing now. You know, it used to be the man has to be very strong and you can't be emotional and you can't cry. And that's changing. I mean, we see it in Mm -hmm. our leaders, you know, where you'll Mm -hmm. see tears in their eyes. So I think, you know, you're talking about a basic behavior that's going to just make a difference everywhere in terms of kindness and and being and and connecting because we all want to connect. Exactly. Exactly. And the more you're connected, the more successful you can be in your role. The whole idea is to connect with your people. And if you can't connect, then you don't belong in a leadership position. And truly, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's a lot of very successful engineers and scientists that work by themselves. You know, or they work in really small clusters, maybe two or three people, and they don't want to talk to anybody else. And those people should not be in charge of a department of 80 people or 100 people because they're just not going to be able to lead. And too often, that is one of the big mistakes that is made when people get assigned to leadership roles. They are Mm. technically astute and socially not so much. Do you think people should be tested even before they're in those roles? Or do you think that's hard because their expertise is so needed, particularly in the and, roles and, that are, you know, are, yeah, are that's not a, so? Yeah, that's, that's also a really good question. How do, how do you test people? Um, I don't think you know until they get into the job because, you know, you could have an, an A1 person technically who's, you know, like a Steve Jobs who came up with incredible inventions, or at least knew how to market them. But he wasn't known to have a great personality. Mm. You know, he, he wasn't known right. for being a warm, fuzzy guy. Right. So, you know, he actually got kicked out of his company at one point. He, ha- he had to learn how to be a leader, mm-hmm. um, even though he's got a lot of words of wisdom and people follow his style. He was not a kind person in meetings, let's put it that way. Well, we saw it in the you movie, know? right? I mean, we saw it in the movie right. that he, he could be quite mean. Um, yeah. And it doesn't it doesn't have to be that way. Um, I, there's a woman that I interview on my show often by the name of Paula A. Marshall, and she's the CEO mm-hmm. of Bama Industries. They make all the apple pies for McDonald's and Walmart, and she has a thousand employees. And boy, her whole, everything about her business is about teamwork and the team mm-hmm. and working together. And I do webinars for them, and it's amazing how how collaborative they are and how they really help each other, and it makes all the difference. And the people stay, stay for years and years right. and years. Right, and that's another thing. It's interesting you brought that up because um, we all know about exit interviews, but seldom do the companies do stay interviews. And when they do stay interviews with these people that have been with a company for 30, 40 years, they find out the reason that they stay is that they're happy at work and they get along with their coworkers, they get along with management, and they're, they're happy, they feel a sense of autonomy, they feel a sense of control, and they don't feel like they're being stamped down every single day that they walk into the office. Right, right. All you right, know, Mary, we're just 
Yeah, I mean, it's it, it does. It makes a huge difference. So what's your message? What's your closing thought for our listeners today? My closing thought is it doesn't matter what leadership role you're in. You have to act like a human. You have to use common courtesy, manners, consider the other person's feelings, be empathetic, even if you have to fake it for a little while and Mm -hmm. see what difference that it makes in your direct reports and in how you are perceived in the company. And also try a little experiment. See if it helps you grow in your role and if your sales increase and if your professional development increases, i.e. you get a promotion because you've become human. Absolutely. How can people find your book? So my book will be on Amazon in a couple of days. And it's called The Leader You Don't Want to Be. And it's going to be a free, not a free download, sorry. It's going to be a 99-cent download on the day that it's launched. So right now we're shooting for February 15th, but I will send out a notice to you, Patricia, and you can let people know when that that date is. So it'll be a 99-cent download on launch day. So everybody remember that. And you can also get in touch with me directly if you want to get the book or if you want to know anything else about it. And you can email me at mary at EncoreExecutiveCoaching.com. That's Mary, M-A-R-Y, at EncoreExecutiveCoaching.com. And I'll be happy to either send you a book or talk about the book or tell you where you can get the download. All right. Thanks so much, Mary. And I know you also do executive coaching, too, so they yes. can look up your do website. A lot of coaching. And Absolutely. your website. I, let's give you your website again. Again, My website is www.EncoreExecutiveCoaching.com. Okay. And your information about your coaching is there as well as your book. Exactly. All right. That's Thank right. you so much. You. It was so, great to have oh, you on. Patricia, it was my yeah. pleasure. Thank you so much. Great. Stand line for a minute. All right, folks. Okay. That wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Remember, um, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. If you'd like to connect with me or you'd like to find out who my great guests are each week, write to me, Patricia, at PatriciaRaskin.com, and I'll put you on my newsletter list. And if you're interested in creating your own podcast, I help people put those together because I've interviewed about 5,000 people uh, in my work. So contact me again, Patricia at patriciaraskin.com and you can like me on Facebook Patricia Raskin Raskin Resources until next time I'm Patricia Raskin bye for now thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel have an outstanding week